0: Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message
1: touches your hearts and minds.
0: So I have a friend named Sean, and Sean is Korean American. And the other day I was able to catch up with him and we were talking, and he told me that half of all living former South Korean presidents are in prison, or they have been in jail, or something like that. And then he went on to say that, in fact, the Koreas are still at war, North and South Korea. There was this ceasefire that was called on July 27, 1953, a long time ago. But here's the thing, South Korean president at the time, his name was Sigmund Rhee, he didn't sign the agreement. Technically, North and South Korea are still at war. And I was thinking about this, and it it led me to, to, to this question, what would it take to unify North and South Korea? And I ended up calling my friend Sean because I just needed more of this conversation. And so, you know, we're talking about you know, North Korea and, and, and what would collapse look like, what would cause collapse, how does China play in this process, and uh, the United States and South Korea, Like, like what would this look like? And, and, and kind of skipping all of that conversation, it's just this, it's this question of, wow, what would it take to, to unify North and South Korea? An economist from Goldman Sachs, I was looking this up, his name is Jonathan Thatcher, he he wrote this, uh, that essentially a united Korea would be an economic powerhouse by 2050. Because in the North, they have a bunch of labor and natural resources, but in the South, that's where all the money and all the technology is. And so if you put labor and natural resources and money and technology and institutions and education, and you just put that all together in the same country, a united Korea would be an economic powerhouse. What would it take to unify Korea? Again, there's a lot of actual you know,
1: variables in this theoretical you know, gameplay here. But really, it would take a miracle. It would take a miracle. If we actually saw that happen in our lifetime, it would take a miracle. Just knowing the situations, the hostility, the conflict, it would take a miracle. Well, today, we're in Ezekiel chapter 37. This is part four of our sermon
0: series called Restored. We're taking a look at verses 15 to 18. And really what we're getting into today is the reunification of Israel. A promise that someday Israel will be united. And so in this sermon series, you know, as we've been looking uh, at, at this, just a, a, a brief part of, of the whole book of Ezekiel, We're basically exploring this Old Testament gospel according to Ezekiel, what we've been looking at uh, the last three weeks and, and today. Ezekiel is giving this message of hope and restoration to the people of God. Part of what we've seen in this sermon series is that God will graciously restore and gather his people. God will regenerate them. God will reconcile with them in the previous message last week we saw God announcing the resurrection of the exiles this this good news the valley of dry bones comes to life we have an Old Testament vision that describes the gospel And so as we turn to Ezekiel chapter 37 this morning 15 to 18 is where we're at we're going to see another great promise A promise that will take a miracle. It will take a miracle to reunify the people of God. So let's get into it today. Chapter 37, starting with verse 13. It says, excuse me, 15. The word of the Lord came to me. The word of the Lord came to me. About 50 times in the book of Ezekiel, it uses this phrase. And so basically, this is a formula. God's speak is coming about. God's message is happening. The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel. Son of man, take a stick, write on it, for Judah and the people of Israel associated with him. Then take another stick and write on it, for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and all the house of Israel associated with him son of man take a stick son of man well that's a descriptive term that god is using here son of man it's it's kind of like saying son of adam or even just human and we could even think of it as like kind of like saying sir or mister
1: hey son of man hey hey earthling hey human hey son of adam listen up Take this
0: stick and write on it for Judah. Take another stick for Joseph. And so there's a historical context here that we need to understand. There's a historical fact behind all of this. The nation of Israel, the the people of God, the kingdom of Israel, split in two after King Solomon's reign. Do you know why? It was because of taxes King Rehoboam, he was putting this, this heavy yoke of taxes on the people. That's 1 Kings 12. And they had enough of it, and it caused them to split. And so we have the Northern Kingdom, and, and 10 tribes make up the Northern Kingdom. And you know what? They, they kind of hijacked the name Israel. And I understand sometimes it's confusing. When I say Israel, I understand sometimes I need to kind of nuance Who am I talking about? Spiritual Israel, Israel as the people of God, Israel as the northern kingdom. I understand it can be a little confusing. I'll try to clarify as I go. So we have the northern kingdom. They're called Israel, but they also have other names. Okay, hang in there. The kingdom of the north is called Israel, but they're also called Joseph or Joseph. Okay, that's that's all the same people there. And so it's kind of, to translate this here It's kind of like Ezekiel grab a stick and write Northern Kingdom on it. All right
1: Now the Northern Kingdom They are the Lost Tribes Because about 150 years before
0: our text today the Northern Kingdom was demolished by the Assyrians, all right, the Assyrians essentially wiped them off the map, so to speak they're they're scattered they they intermarried okay they 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 are really for lack of better words, they're just gone. They're not coming back. they really are the lost tribes of Israel. And now we have the Southern Kingdom, and the Southern kingdom represents two tribes. A massive tribe called Judah and a little tribe called Benjamin all right but for the most part they're called Judah and so Ezekiel and his fellow peers his contemporaries they're from the they're from they represent Judah they're from Judah they're in Babylon they are the remnants of the southern kingdom so God says take two sticks Right on one of them, Judah, southern kingdom. Take another stick, right on it, uh, Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, also the northern kingdom. Two sticks, two kingdoms, okay? It's so sad in our Old Testament history. It's so sad that there was this political division, that there was two kingdoms. But I want you to know this, PMC Beyond. In God's eyes, there's one people. God has a covenant with his people. In God's eyes, there's one Israel, one people. And now we just heard a story of of dry bones in verses uh, 1 to 14 last week uh, is what we uh, looked at, verses 1 to 14 in Ezekiel chapter 37 here. And, And so it's like, okay, if death can be reversed, then we have to believe so can this severe disunity. This, this separation amongst God's people. Certainly, God can do some awesome miracles. So Ezekiel, he's to take these two sticks. Now, there's also room in the translation here that, that the word that is used for stick could also just mean almost like a, a piece of wood. And something that they would do is they would have like a block of wood and they would cover it with wax and And that's what they would use to write uh, write notes on. You know you can think of it as like a a, a tablet of paper. And so really, um, if if God was telling this to Ezekiel in today's language, it's almost kind of like saying, "Hey, Ezekiel, grab one notepad, grab another notepad." okay that's That's what's happening here. Verse seventeen, and join them one to another into one stick. That they may become one in your hand. So this is a a prophetic sign act by Ezekiel. All right, this is a a witnessing tool. Okay? The imagery of, of two sticks or two wooden tablets coming together in his hand. Two are becoming one. I think of when Jess and I got married, we decided to do unity sand. She had white sand and I had like brown sand, tan sand. And, and we, we took time out of the ceremony to pour sand together. And we have this, this mixture. It's unity sand. Unity sand. Two become one. And so for Ezekiel, this is a performative action here. There is going to be two that become one. There's going to be healing. There's going to be connection. There's going to be unity,
1: togetherness. There's going to be reunification of God's people. Unity. Unity. Can you believe that? Unity. And you know what people are going to ask? What are you up to, Ezekiel?
0: Yo, Zeke, what's what's with the sticks? What does this mean? Well, God gives the answer. God gives the answer. This is the future of God's people. The future of God's people is one people. And by the way, as we we
1: get into all of this, notice how many times it says one. O-N-E, one. Verse 19, say to them, Thus says the Lord God,
0: Behold, I am about to take the stick of Joseph, that is, in the hand of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel associated with him. And I will join with it the stick of Judah,
1: and make them one stick, that they may be one in my hand. Okay, God It's going to do the miracle of making Israel unified, making Israel whole.
0: Okay, again, this is a great promise. This will take a miracle. And we're even challenged to think, is this even logically possible? Because the Lost Tribes are called Lost Tribes for a reason. They're gone. They they've intermarried. They they're scattered. The Assyrians just they they are are gone. How can you get that back? It's like you have one stick called Judah, and they're in exile in Babylon. The other stick went into the chipper shredder. And and, and like how do you get this back? Is this even logically possible? But church as as Christians. On this side of the
1: cross, when we think about this prophecy, a unified Israel might not mean ethnic
0: Israel, it might not mean geographic Israel.
1: It's very well possible this means spiritual israel, a spiritual Israel, and you know
0: revelations twenty. In 21, it points to a day when this prophecy will finally be fulfilled in the fullest sense. God's people include way more people than just the sons and daughters of Abraham and Sarah. Because the gospel belongs to the nations as, excuse me, as well. So I'm not an expert in end times theology. I'm not an expert of Israel in light of end times theology. But for us today, as we sit in this Old Testament prophecy, it is written in a way that makes sense to the original audience. But for us as Christians, on this side of the cross, as we dip back historically into this Old, old Testament prophecy... As we look at Ezekiel chapter 7, we see this great gospel promise of unity. And so let me get to the point. This is what Jesus is going to do. Our King, our Good Shepherd, this is what Christ is going to do. Revelation 8-9 lets us know what christ is up to what god is up to he is going to unite his people from every tribe from every tongue nation people and language
1: jesus is creating recreating a new humanity verse 20 when the sticks on which you write
0: are in your hand before their eyes then say to them Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will take the people of Israel from the nations among which they have gone, and will gather them from all around, and bring them to their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land, on the mountains of Israel. And one king shall be king over them, over them all. And they shall be no longer two nations, and no longer divided into two kingdoms." They shall not defile themselves any more with their idols and their detestable things or with any of their transgressions but I will save them from all the backslidings in which they have sinned and I will cleanse them and they shall be my people and I will be their God. My servant David, that's Jesus, shall be king over them. And they shall have one shepherd, that's Jesus. They shall walk in my rules and be careful to obey my statutes. We get to do this under the power of the Holy Spirit. They shall dwell in the land that I gave to my servant Jacob, where your fathers lived. They and their children and their children's children shall dwell there forever. And David, my servant, shall be their prince forever. Jesus Christ. I will make a covenant of peace With them. It's ratified by the blood of Jesus. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will set them in their land and multiply them, and will set my sanctuary in their midst forevermore. My dwelling place shall be with them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. That the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst. Forevermore.
1: more wow wow those are powerful words but let me just sort of backtrack
0: to verse 20 and i kind of just want to rework what we just read i want to put put it in other words okay in christ in christ god will end separation segregation Isolation, exclusion. God will end it. In Christ, God will end displacement. He will end wandering, homelessness. In Christ, God will end all the bad forms of tribalism because He is going to make one people. In this text, when, when God talks about the you know the King David, that's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is, is the Son of David, is, is David in this situation here. Jesus is our one King. He's our one Shepherd. He is our Prince of Peace. And you know what? God will end the lostness. God will end disorder because Jesus is here as our Good Shepherd and He's going to give us direction. He gives us guidance. He gives us protection. In Christ, God will, will, will give us unity. He will end disunity. There's going to be no more division. But we will have unity in Christ. God will destroy our idols. Our idols. And all the things that, that defile us inside and out, God is going to smash them up. In Christ, we are made holy. In Christ, we have salvation, we are saved, we are healed from our sins, and we are washed clean. In Christ, we have a new heart, a new spirit. We live this in this covenantal relationship. We live it out through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we'll be able to live someday in perfect obedience. Someday there's going to be no more rebellion. In Christ, God will never see us as foreigners. He will never see us as orphans, as aliens. Because we do have a forever home. God has a house. We are members of God's household in Jesus Christ. In Christ, we have peace. In Christ, we have peace. That means God is going to end all the violence, the hatred, the disharmony, the frustration. In Christ, God ends dying and death because there is going to be life. There is growth. There is multiplication. The gospel bears fruit all over the world in Christ god ends distance god ends this sense of things being far away god's presence is with us his his spirit his love is here god will end all misunderstanding god will end all confusion and doubt because the nations We'll know that God is God. What God does for his people, everyone is going to know about that. And this is all amazing good news. This is our hope. We have this gospel
1: promise of unification in the Old Testament here. Unification. This is our, our hope. But I believe that it's something we can start living into today. That we
0: don't have to wait around for unity to happen. That it's worth striving for today. We have this hope of unity. We have a living hope. And
1: Colossians 1.5 says our faith and our love, it springs up. From this hope. I absolutely believe we will utterly fail, we'll fall flat, we'll fall short of being united if we neglect or diminish Jesus' love inside of us. It's
0: faith and love that spring up from this hope, this hope that we have. In the gospel, in church, in these hard times, we need Jesus's spirit. This is how we live in grace, and we seek out
1: peace, and we walk in love. We walk in love. Colossians three one, excuse me, Colossians three fourteen says.
0: We get to put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity.
1: Put on love. It is the perfect bond of unity. And it's easy to love when everything's are going good. But absolutely, in the hard times, in the challenging times,
0: it's got to be Christ's love inside of us that love that is patient, that love that is kind, that love that is not self-seeking. We need Jesus' spirit, his spirit of love inside of us. And so, yes, talk about, you know, the, the possibility of a united Korea. That would take a miracle?
1: Absolutely. But don't underestimate the miracle of Plymouth Meeting Church. The fact that there are Christians, believers who have been radically changed and they are here
0: online, that that there is this unity, there is this bond here. I would say in this world that is so filled with disunity, the fact that we exist, don't underestimate that miracle. Don't underestimate the miracle of Plymouth Meeting Church, a church that is alive uh, geographically in the heart of the suburbs of Philadelphia, PMC,
1: beyond, of course. You know, we're tuning in from from all over the place. But we're here. What unifies us is Jesus and his gospel.
0: We are a church church that is united by Christ and
1: his gospel. And it's out of reverence of Christ we submit to one another. And again, it's
0: easy to find peace and harmony and unity when things are easy. But when we submit to one another, when we forgo our status, when we serve others, when we show others love, sometimes that can be hard to do, I know. We cannot do it in our own strength. Maybe a little bit, but we'll
1: get tired. We need Jesus' Holy Spirit of love and power inside of us. Next month, God willing, October is going to be Vision Month at Plymouth Meeting Church. At least three
0: sermons are devoted to talking about our vision, what God is up to at Plymouth Meeting Church, who we are, what we're supposed
1: to be doing, where we're going, our vision at Plymouth Meeting Church. But you know what? All of it is gonna be a waste
0: of time if we are not united around Jesus and his gospel.
1: This, this gospel that gives us a living and so, church, let me just end today by reading some scripture. I want to read from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 to 22. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ.
0: For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him,
1: you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit.
0: Church, we'll see you next week. God willing, we'll get into some conversations about who we are in Jesus Christ as a church, a family of missionary servants united by the gospel, by the love, by the peace of Jesus
1: Christ. PMC Beyond, go in the restorative grace of God.